sometimes, sometimes you don't realize he's all you need till he's all you got. Sometimes God will allow us to get into places in our life where, you know, we have to depend on him. We have to lean on him. He puts, a, he puts an Egyptian army behind the nation of Israel and he puts the Red Sea in front of them. They can't do nothing but trust him. And I've been there, amen? But I'm glad to know he's faithful. He is faithful. He don't always do what we want him to do when we want him to do it, but he always does what needs to be done. And he always does the right thing, amen? Take your Bibles with me and turn to 1 Peter. Uh, 1 Peter, we're going we're gonna to continue there. Uh, and as we are, have been studying these several weeks through this, this precious book, uh, 1 Peter chapter number 4, and we're going to look at, at about four or five verses this morning. And now I want to know, I'm glad to be saved. Glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Uh, glad for the rain, amen? My goodness, we've been, we've been, I, I, I thought to myself, you know, we, we you know, Baptist, a Baptist uh, hurricane is three drops, amen? You know, people stay home for any reason. I thought, my, my soul, if there's any day they need to go to church, it's today, and thank God for the rain, amen? Amen. Well, we're here, and we're going to have a good time. I've already had a good time. God has been sweet in this place. Well, let's look in 1 Peter chapter number 4, 1 Peter chapter 4 in verse number 7. Find verse number 7, and that's where we're going to begin today. We're going to look at four or five verses today. All right, have you found your spot? It says this, it says this, But the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. That reminded me of a story. Uh, there were several, several Baptist preachers standing on the side of the road holding up signs saying, The end is near. Turn before it's too late. Well, people were driving by, and the guy hollered out the window, You bunch of religious nuts, you need to leave us alone. And in just a few minutes, they were screeching tires and a big splash. And one of the preachers looked at the other and said, You reckon we ought to say the bridge is out? <laughs> some of y'all, you know, turn, anyway. I thought some of y'all needed a little humor as much as I did this morning. Amen. All right. The end of all things is at hand. What he's saying here is that the, the culmination of all that God started. How many of y'all know all of this that we know in, in God's Word and of creation and, and life itself is all a part of God's plan? God has got a plan. He started with a plan. Nothing's taken him by surprise. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to him? Amen. He knows the end from the beginning. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He knows it all. He's got a plan. Well, what Peter is saying, this plan is starting to come to fruition. It is coming to an end. It is coming to fulfillment, if you will. When Jesus stepped on this planet, that began the last day. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He says the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity, now we know that. What is that, what is that word? It's love. Charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God 
in all things. How many things? That God in all things may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Say it with me. Amen. Go right there. And all God's people say it. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. God, give us what we stand in need of. Thank you for being with us so far. I pray your perfect will be done. Move in an awesome way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, I I titled the lesson this morning, uh, A Last Day's Laundry List. A Last Day's Laundry List. How many of y'all have ever how many of y'all have ever gone out of town or gone somewhere and you left a laundry list of things to do while you were gone? Amen? That's kind of that's kind of what we're going to read here. Uh, Peter is trying to encourage his people and let them know that listen, this thing's almost over. And I know what you're thinking. Man, that was several uh, uh, that, that was several, several years ago. What about it? Well, he addresses that too in Second Peter. He said, there's going to come a time when scoffers will come, and they'll say, where is the promise of his coming? But don't worry about that. God is faithful. He is faithful when he, got, when he says something, it's going to happen. Amen? And we are in the last days. We are in a place. And the, and the whole point, the whole point of what Peter is saying here is that we need to live our life in an expectant attitude of the Lord's return. Amen. We need to be looking. We don't need to be watching signs. We need to be watching the sky. He said, watch and pray. Keep your eyes on the sky because I'm coming. You remember in Acts chapter number 1 when he left out of here? Them angels said, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that left, he's going to come back in the same manner. In other words, get busy. Keep watching. He's coming back. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Are y'all with me? I will come again and receive you unto myself. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds. All through the Old Testament, there was a message. There was a clear message, a prophetic message, that a Messiah was coming. He is coming. There's coming a bomb in Gilead. His name will be called Emmanuel. I mean, all from Genesis all the way to Malachi. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Then the angels announced, listen, that Christmas morning, he's here. He's here. He's here. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Somebody say amen. And then from that time on, when Jesus left, he's coming again, he's coming again, he's coming again. Don't worry, don't fret, don't throw in the towel, don't give up, don't get disheartened, don't get discouraged, because he's coming again. And we are in those days. And I, you know what, here's the thing, I've been wondering, I've been wondering why modern day Christianity is so lousy. I know, go ahead, give me the look. You got to admit, you got to admit, when, when you look at modern day Christianity and you look at first century Christianity, it, 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 you can't even compare it. 
when you have some that are willing to go and be burnt at the stake and will not deny the name of Christ, and you got some that won't show up because it rained. It's not even close. We live in a whiny society, a complacent society, an entitled... Now, now, now I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about church people. If it ain't just so-so, I'm going to go to another place. If I don't get my way, if I don't get what I want, now how is that compared to the first century? The first century, they were burned at the stake. The first century, they were, they were covered with tar and hung on poles and lit up the streets of Rome. So what's different? How, how has Christianity, and I know, I know the times, I know the Laodicea and church age, I, I know all that stuff, but there's something different too. And I think we may have found the, 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 the culprit. Do you realize, do you realize that from the time Jesus went up into heaven that those disciples lived a life because they were expecting him to come at any moment? And I think modern-day Christianity is so removed, and it's been so far. Are y'all with me? We're not living like that. So how do you know we're not living like that? Because we wouldn't be acting the way we're acting. If we knew Jesus could come tonight, this place would be jammed. And you talking about some house cleaning. If you knew, come on, get with me. Let's be honest. That's just us. It's just us. We'd go home, son. We'd get to Brew Mountain. He's coming. Come on. We'd be doing some cleaning in our life. But see, those early, those early Christians, they believed he could come back at any moment. And you know, the happiest Christians I know are the ones that are anticipating his return. Well, why should we? No, no, no. Remember, how, how many of y'all remember uh, uh, when, when Jesus was asked by the disciples, teach us to pray? Y'all remember that? They said, teach us to pray. He said, we're praying this manner. Praying this manner. Now, some people think that's a formula. So they recited, our Father, which art in heaven. You know, it sounds like a bunch of monks or something. That, it's not a formula. It's not a secret little. It is an outline. It is a pattern. In other words, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That means praise. Start your prayer out with praise. Start your prayer out with honor. Start your prayer out giving him glory because he's worthy. Say amen. amen. And then go into thy kingdom come. Thy will. Then ask God for his purpose in your life. Isn't it amazing he told you to ask for his will to be done before he said to ask for what you need? Anyway, anyway. What was the next thing? He said, give us. He didn't say this week. Did y'all catch that? He didn't say this week. He didn't even say this month. He said, give us this. You know what that means? That means he wants you to live day by day. If you got enough something to eat today, rock on. Do you realize you only have enough grace for one day? God's not going to give you a dump truck load of months worth of grace 
So quit worrying about the end of the month. This is this, I'm just adding this. I'm not charging you a bit for this part. How many of us would get so much drama out of our life if we just take one day at a time? We're worrying about next month. We're worrying about, some of us are worrying about next year. When God said, give us this day. Worry about this day. The point is, Jesus wants you to live a life in anticipation of his return. He wants you to live in such a way that you're looking that he can come tonight. You know why? It will drastically change your mentality and your behavior. How many of y'all grew up, probably some of you young people can't associate with this, but or, or, how many of y'all grew up when they still whoop kids? All right, how many of y'all still came when they really whooped them? I mean, got them. All right, how did your behavior change when your mama said, your daddy's fixing to be home? Did that drastically give you some motivation? If it didn't, they didn't whip you right. Am I right? And I, I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but I mean, are, y- are y'all with me? You see how your mentality changed? Oh! You, you're, you're, just, you're just going about your day. You're going about your business. You're just doing your thing. You're not even thinking about nothing. And all of a sudden, you're reminded your father's fixing to come home, and that list he gave you to do, it's not done. Oh! I wonder what would happen with modern-day Christians if we lived the same anticipation of his return tonight like they did back then. Now, here's what he says. The end. The end. Look at it, verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Now, now he, he says, be ye therefore. In other words, because of that, because of that, I'm going to give you three, four things real quick. In light of his return. How many of y'all believe he's coming again? Amen. How many of y'all believe? Now be honest, if you don't believe, don't put your hand up. How many of y'all believe we better be ready? Yeah. Right? So here, here's some things. Here's some things. And this is so practical. I was studying this. I'm saying thank you, Lord, for making it easy on me. You know, I mean, it, I, I, it's so easy and practical. What He's laying it out so simple. Watch what he says. He says, therefore, because he's fixing to return, because the end is near, amen, look what he says. He says, be ye therefore, what's that word? Sober. Sober. And watch unto prayer. So, number one, number one, knowing, knowing the end of time, we're living in the last days, that Jesus has imminent return. It should affect, first thing I want you to write down, it should affect our demeanor. It should affect our demeanor. Uh, the way we see things, the way we approach things, our, our attitude, if you will, our emotional state, our demeanor. Now, what are you saying? He gives two things here. He says, be ye therefore sober. Sober. Now, now I know what you're thinking, because the only time you usually see the word sober associated is the opposite of drunk. And he's not saying here, he's not saying here, don't be drunk. That's not what he's saying. Although you don't need to be drunk. Say Amen. But that's not what he's saying here. That means level-headed. It means moderate. It means, basically, if you want to just just use plain old terminology, he's saying stay cool, calm, and collected. Stay calm. Be cool about about it. What is it about humanity that we like to go extremes? Have you ever noticed that? 
If, 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 let's, just say, let's just say a snake crawled through that door right over there. It could, be, it could be a harmless rat snake, but the response that we would get, it's a cobra. <laughs> There'd be chairs flying, people screaming. The, the, the Mississippi squirrel wouldn't have nothing on the Coleman cobra. Say amen. <laughs> we go to extremes. Am I right? We go to extremes. You say, it's the last days, and people go crazy. We, we start being preppers. We go up on mountains and we make a compound and wait for his return. We try to predict it. We say what day it is. We do, we do preaching series to, to scare people and put fear. No. He's saying, stay cool. Stay calm. Stay collected. There's something. If you move people by emotions, guess what? The movement stops when the emotion goes away. I'd rather just move people with truth and have steady. Maybe, maybe the Christians are not way up here, but they're not way down here. They're just a steady going. Are y'all with me? And here's the thing. Don't wig out. Stay cool, calm, and collected. When you see the things happening, when you see the things that we have read about, the difficulty, the perilous times that are coming, he said, be sober, be calm. You can't solve anything when you're in an emotional upheaval. One of the, one of the most, just, I, I'm telling you, this guy, uh, Brother, Brother McCormick, he, he is just something else. He's one of, one of my, my mentors down in Jacksonville. And he has, he, at, at any one time, he has businesses. He has rental property. He's at all kind of stuff going on at the same time running a Christian school and pastoring a church and putting up with crazy people say amen. And I thought, I said, how do you do all that? I mean, how do you stay sane with all of the responsibility you have, all of the pressure you are under? And I, I asked him, we was, in, we was in a meeting down in Florida, and it was a question and answer time. I, I've never had that happen before. After, this, after I got through preaching, he said, come on back up here. We'll let him ask questions. I said, what? <laughs> I don't want to answer no questions. Hey, man. I, and so here we go. And they asked a question about pressure. I said, I'm going to turn it to him. He's better at this than me. And this is what he said. I'll never forget it. And I've tried to keep this in my memory banks. He said, when you're under the gun, when the pressure is turned up, when you just think, he said, you have to make yourself stay cool, calm, and collected. He said, you cannot solve any problem or any issue if you're in an emotional... Are y'all with me? Now, this is, this is something you've got to work at. This is something you have to tell yourself. Stay calm. Stay cool. And see, you got to do this with the little things before you get to the big things. You have to do this with your children. Especially if you have teenagers. So before the big tragedy, if we learn to stay cool, calm, and collected with the little arguments with our spouses. You know, here's the thing. If we don't learn this now... Think about this. If we don't learn how to do this now, what are we going to do when they come to chain the door shut? What are we going to do when the government tells us we have to have one world religion and we're going to just all... 
You see, we got to learn this now. Cool, calm, and collected. I, I think. I think th- this week, uh, the other night, one of my daughters, one of my daughters, got turned around and and kind of got lost. wasn't lost, but thought she was lost, and called and 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 was kind of wigging out a little bit. Now I've been there. I understand I, that that she gets that from me because I just. I, whoo, I don't like that kind of stuff, man. I like things I know. I like being in charge and control, and I like to know what, you know. I understand that feeling. <clears throat> and, and, and so we were saying, just use your phone. Type in, you, you know, you, you got the address on the phone. Last time I used that, it took me to a cornfield. <laughs> I thought to myself, well, we live on the other side of a cornfield, so that might work, you know. But it was wrong cornfield, Amen. And then, well, I don't have an, I don't have, there's only like 3%. My battery's about to go dead. And so, things are not to her favor. Are y'all with me? So we just talked it out, calm down, wait till you see the next thing, tell me what you see, and then we figured out where it was and all that kind of stuff. And this is the thing, I sat with her and talked to her. Let's try to remove some things. Let's try to remove some things. First thing, do you have a charger in your car? No, get a charger in your car. See, that's something we can do. That's something we can practically, we don't have to worry about that part no more, so we take that out of the equation. And this is what God was kind of showing me while I was studying this and thinking about that situation. Whatever we can do to change and take the issues out of the equation that we can, we need to do. Things that are causing us drama. But when it comes to just stay, we're going to have to rely on God and say, God, keep us calm. Well, I just, Listen, we're either going to believe the Bible or we're not. Right? Is God not the peace speaker? Did, it, did God not speak to a, a storm and it calmed right down? Did not God step out on the boat? Jesus stepped out on the boat and said, Peace be still, and the waves quit, and the rain quit, and the wind quit. I need a witness. Yeah. Then you tell me he can't come into your heart and say, Chill out. He can. Are y'all with me? But I'm telling you this. In these days we're living in, it's going to get difficult, and it's going to get hard, and it's going to get bad. Perilous times shall come. Dangerous times shall come. But here's what we've got to do. God's people have to stay cool, calm, and collected. Say it with me. Up in the balcony, say it with me. They're kind of smooth up there. Don't know what I'm saying? All right. Be sober. Then he said this, watch under prayer. That means alert. That means alert. Don't, don't get mentally lazy on God. What was the last thing he told? What was the last thing he told the disciples? He took, he took his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then he took Peter, James, and John and went a little further. He turned around to them and he said this. What did he say? Watch and And then he went on a little further. But what did they do? Say it again. Say it again. They went to sleep. You know who's writing this letter? You know who's writing this letter? Peter is. The one that went to sleep. Do you think he meant what he said when he said, Hey, everybody, watch and pray. Stay alert. Stay alert. What do you mean, stay alert? Always understand that Satan is after you. Satan is after you. You have an enemy. And by the way, it's not sitting beside you. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
Now, now the devil will make it seem that way. The devil will make it seem like your enemy is beside you. But see, that's when we have to stay alert and think, this is the devil. Things happen all the time, especially here recently. Since we have, since we have started this endeavor, since we have started this journey of, of planting the church in Fairview, I'm telling you what, every time I turn around, the devil's trying to sneak his foot in there. And he's trying to do something to make us think that it's this way. And i got to say, well, that's the devil. Stay calm, stay cool, stay collected, stay alert. Because he's always going to come around the corner. He's always going to try to sneak in. He's always going to try to tempt. We've got to stay alert. Stay alert. And all God's people said, knowing he could return should affect our demeanor. We need to stay calm. We need to stay alert. All right, second thing. Second thing. Look what it says. It's really good. He says, because the end is near, he says, therefore be sober. Be sober and watch unto prayer. And look at the next three words. And say it again. Do you believe that he's saying this is a priority? He's saying one of the most important things. When times get difficult, when the persecution comes, when the fiery trials are coming your way, he said above everything I could tell you, look what it says. Above all things, have fervent or love among yourselves. For charity or love shall cover the multitude of sins. Here's the thing. He's saying this. You need to love each other. The word fervent here. The word fervent here. It is, it is the picture of somebody striving. It is literally the word stretch. In other words, in other words, when, when somebody's running around, how many of y'all ever watched the Olympics? Have you ever watched the Olympics? You ever watch them, you ever watch them like the 40-yard the, the dash or 50-yard, whatever they are? I mean, you know, the short race. Amen? What's that one called? The 100. All right, let's just say that one. Have you noticed that at the end of it, at the end of the race, they're all doing this number? Say it with me. Stretch. Say it with me. Say it again. So what's this have to do with love? Watch this. There are some people, when you go to love them, you're going to have to Stretch. Stretch. And all God's people say it. You see, this love that he's talking about here is not an emotional feeling. It's a determined decision. You realize Jesus, when he says he loves you, he decided to. He chooses to. He didn't do it because he had an emotional feeling about it. He didn't do it because you've done something to earn it. He did it because he wanted to. And this is the kind of love he's talking about. He said you need to fervently love each other. There's going to be times when you're going to have to love people that are unlovable. Do you realize you can love somebody you don't even like? Everybody say it with me. I can love those I don't like. Say it again. I can in the balcony. Some of y'all are really getting help this morning. <laughs> Amen? Stretch. Why do you think this is so important? He says, above all things. Watch this. 
if there was anybody, you know, arrogant people irritate me. <clears throat> I don't know. I guess it got it. Honest, I don't know. I guess it got it. Arrogant people irritate me. I can't stand arrogant people. I, I, I'm just, I guess I'm just a just down-home type guy, down to earth, and I don't care how much money you got in your bank, you need to treat everybody the same. And there's just some people that just, this, this is irritating. Am I alone with this? If you go through the list of disciples, if you go through the list of disciples, and you really study out their behavior and their characteristics and all that, I'd have to say this. I bet, I know, I don't bet you, I guarantee you that Peter was irritating. He has always run his mouth. He, he was in the inner circle, so he thought he loved everybody else better than him, and he put it. Y'all with me? I, see, I just look at the Bible practically. I bet when he denied them, some of them disciples, I got to know this. I, I know they said, mm-hmm. 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 So when Peter's saying this, you know what he's saying? He's saying, there's going to be times you're going to have to love somebody like me. You're going to have to love somebody who kept putting my foot in my mouth. You're going to have to love people you don't even like. Because God called you to that. Guys, we go to church together. We're a family. We're not always going to agree on every single issue and every single detail. But we've got to love one another. Why is that so important? Because they're not going to. This world is not going to love you. Y'all with me? We've got to love each other. We're going to argue. That's what, that's what family does. That's what family does. Me and my brothers, we, my brother and my sister, we just, we'll just. But you let somebody else say something. I'll bust you in the, uh -huh. Do I have a witness? Let me ask you a question. Watch this now. Watch this. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you defend your church family like that? Well, I tell you what, so-and-so just irritates fire out of me. Well, you may irritate the fire out of them. <laughs> Say it with me. Stretch. Come on, everybody. Get with me now. y'all. I know you're under conviction, but let's just act like we're getting this. Amen? All right, say it with me. Stretch. How do you know when you're stretching? Because the next part of that, it describes this. Fervent. It has to be a fervent love. But then it's a forgiving love. Look what it says. Love covereth a multitude of sins. Now, now don't get the wrong impression of what he's trying to say here. He's not saying if there's sin in the church, cover it up and just, just hide it. That's not what he's saying. This is not taken away from church discipline. We've done learned enough of that in the last two or three weeks, studying Achan and Joshua and sin and all that. We know that's not what he's talking about because he just got through talking about that in the first part of that first part of chapter number four what's he saying there's going to be people that do you wrong don't run and tell of it hide it see here's a perfect illustration here's a perfect illustration are y'all with me this morning everybody awake everybody good how many y'all know that 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 noah after he got off the ark he got tuned up <laughs> <laughs> 
And some of y'all know what I mean. That means he got drunk. I'm talking about drunk. I'm talking about passed out drunk. I'm talking about, y'all with me? Well, one of his sons, one of his sons saw the sin. He got drunk and gotten basically, you know, just in a bad way. Well, he went around telling everybody, mocking him. The other two sons heard about it. And they got a blanket on each side, and they backed up not to see their father and covered him up. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about ignoring sin. He's talking about don't be spreading stuff. And when somebody does you wrong, don't run and tell everybody. Don't run and tell how you've been done wrong and how you've been mistreated. There's only two people you ought to tell. Well, actually, depending on the issue. One is you tell them. You tell them, and you tell God. If they don't make it right, there's issues. You know, there's, there's guidelines that the Bible gives that you, you know, you take. But it's not to gossip. It's not to spread around. It, you know what? If, if I have somebody I really love, I don't want everybody knowing their faults. I don't want everybody knowing their issues. I'm not going to run around and tell because I want to, I love them. Does that make sense? Amen. You see, knowing that, the, knowing that the, the, the end is near, it should affect our demeanor. But it also should affect our love. Number three, and I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. We're almost done. We're almost done. Verse 9. Verse 9. We see our demeanor in verse 7, our love in verse 8. Look in verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without, without, all right? It should affect, number three, our willingness. Our willingness. Say it with me. Our, now, the day we live in is different a little bit than the day they lived in. And that day, there were not Motel 6, Holiday Inn Express, y'all with me? The Comfort Inn, they didn't have all that stuff. So when someone was traveling... People would stay with other people. People would open up their homes to strangers passing through. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. Especially itinerant preachers or traveling preachers that would come through. And they would give them hospitality. They'd give them a place to stay. They'd give them a place to spend the night and and, and feed them. And, And so the point is here. Not only that, not only that, they would open up their homes in the New Testament days for church services. Because they, they didn't have the first Baptist of Jerusalem to go down to and all this. They didn't have out in the, in the wilderness and the different uh, uh, villages and all that. They didn't have church-established buildings like we have. So they would open up a home and have church there. And what he's saying is, is be willing to be hospitable. Be will- here's, here's, here's the way I want to describe this. And here's the way I want to preach this. Because this is an epidemic in, in, in Christianity, Christendom of today. There needs to be a willingness to inconvenience yourself. A willingness. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm seeing. And maybe I'm just too old school or what the deal is. But there was a day when something that needed to be done, we just did it. We didn't sit down and write down and see if it was going to be convenient to do it. We are living in such 
a convenient Christianity, it is sickening. Well, I'll get around to it if I, I can, if I get time, or if I have some left, or if I do this. God is not the principal thing. God is not the primary thing in their life. It's whatever's left over, He can have. Yes, preacher, I will serve if it's convenient. Not, not, not even thinking that I've been commanded and I've been commissioned and I've been gifted to serve. If I have time, I will. What is he saying? It's not about convenience. We need to be willing to do the inconvenient. Do you realize loving everybody's not always convenient? Do you realize serving people in their needs, sometimes they're dirty, sometimes they're nasty, sometimes they're mean, sometimes they're, listen, all of it, there's nothing convenient about real, genuine Christianity. Let me read this. But God commendeth His love toward us. That means put on display, manifested, showed His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we got better. He didn't wait till we straightened up our act. He didn't wait till a convenient time. He did it when it needed to be done. It's not going to be convenient for a ton of people to go out to Fairview. To some it is, but not to all. Everybody don't live out to Fairview. Some people are going to go out there to live on the way on that side of town. But guess what? It's something that needs to be done. People are going to hell out there. Are y'all with me? He's saying do this without grudging. Let, let's, let's, let's describe this. Uh, how many of y'all have teenagers? <clears throat> Come on, raise your hand. You're not ashamed to admit it. <clears throat> how many of y'all have ever gave your teenager something to do? How many of y'all got it? <laughs> Am I the only one that's got one like that? One, I got four like that. I wonder what God thinks when he looks down. Well, I'll do it. You'll do it, but you got an attitude about it. I wonder what Jesus thinks after he hung six hours on a cross and bled to death at our attitude sometimes. I'll bring you in, but I ain't going to like it. I'll go, but I... Really? Not just Jesus. What about the people that were sawed in half? What about the people that were boiled in oil for the faith? You say, oh, that's back in... What about Christians who are being beheaded today? And we want to whine. Because we've been inconvenienced. No wonder... The church in America is dying. Listen, if we know that Jesus is coming soon, we need to be willing to be inconvenienced. It's going to be worth it, guys. I promise you it is. And all God's people say it. Let's finish up with this one. He said this in the next two verses. The next two verses. He says, As every man hath received a gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. In other words, the word of God. Anytime you find that word oracles, it's talking about scripture. So when you speak, if you got something to say, it needs to come out of this book. 
You don't need a new revelation. We don't need to know what you dreamed last night if it don't line up with this book. You with me? Probably wasn't Holy Ghost. It was probably enchiladas. Say amen. <laughs> if you speak, speak what thus saith the Lord. Amen. Brother Craig told me one time, a long time ago, Brother Randy, he said, as long as you stay in that book, God's got your back. You go out in left field, you're on your own. Are y'all with me? He said, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me sum it up. There's basically two types of giftings. There's serving gifts and speaking gifts. Say it with me. And, and he distinguishes this in these verses. Everybody can't speak. Listen, everybody, we don't have all the same stuff. We, we don't. I, 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 everybody can't sing the same way. Everybody can't do this the same way. Everybody can't organize the same way. Everybody can't decorate the same way. We have all this stuff going on. Everybody's not the same, but everybody's got their thing. And this is what, to sum these two verses up, this is what he's saying. Look, whatever you got, he gave it to you. Don't be arrogant about it. If you can sing like a mockingbird... Don't, don't be arrogant about it. If, you can, if you're a great speaker, don't be arrogant about it. Because you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. He just gave it to you. And you need to understand what you have is a gift. You say, why is this so important? Because when we know that we didn't earn it, that he gave it to us by his grace, then we'll turn around and give him the credit. That God in all things be glorified. Let me tell you something. If you're up here singing on the platform and you're doing it so people can see you, you need to sit down. If, you need, if you're doing it so you can get the glory, so you can get the applause, if, you, if, you're, if you're serving out here so people can pat you on the back, you've totally missed it. God gave you a gift to use for the benefit of the body of Christ. He didn't do it so you could show off. It is not a toy to play with. It's a tool to build with. And we all, according to Ephesians 4, everybody's got one. Every single child of God has got a gift. And guess what? He expects you to use it. First, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He said he's given us these gifts. He's given us pastors, evangelists, pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles. What for? For the edifying of the body of Christ. For the work of the ministry. Y'all with me? God has given us all these things that we might be edified and build up and be strengthened for the purpose of bringing God glory. So here's the thing. Knowing that Jesus is about to come back, we need to understand it should affect, what was those things? Number one, it should affect our, everybody say it, it should affect our demeanor. Number two, it should affect our, our love. Number three, it should affect our our willingness. Number four, it should affect our stewardship. How we handle the gifts God has given us. Hey, if you're in this building, and I'm going to say it unashamedly because I got Bible to back me up. Anytime I got Bible, I ain't backing up an ounce. Amen. But if you're in this building and you're not serving God and using the gift God's given you, you're going you're gonna to give account for that when you get to glory. And one of, the, one of the saddest things about it is it not necessarily because you didn't use it and you could have. 
It's because how much glory is God not getting because you ain't doing what He gifted you to do? And how many Christians are not being edified or encouraged or helped by the gift that you have? And you just end up being a glorified moocher. How many of of y'all are irritated by moochers? You know the ones that come and they all want to eat the pizza, but they don't want to chip in to pay for it? I ain't going to be no moocher. I'm going to do my part. Because I'm going to stand before God for what he gave me. And I'm going to give account. And not just that, I want to help people. I want God to use me to change people's lives. I want God to use me to encourage people and strengthen people. And more than anything, I want God to be glorified in my life. Listen, let's make a difference, guys. Let's live our life every single day like we think, "Uh uh-oh, he could be here tonight. Preacher, are you serious? I'm dead serious. You know why? Because he could. Any moment, he could return. I don't know about you, but I won't be ready. And all God's people say it. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessing, your kindness. Lord, help us to, 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 to be loving, to stretch. Help us to be calm cool and collective.